Hello, Hockey World. How are you doing today? Hope you all have recovered from the trade deadline. And um, we are joined by Russ. And Russ, we just want to let you know that we just went live. So okay. uh, don't say anything that you normally do when you come on the air, which is just your normal. So feel, so feel free to make fun of X Rink. <laughs> normal tirades. Uh, no, no, that was yesterday. That's so yesterday. I know. I'm kidding. All right. Uh, There's one thing I have to text you guys. Uh, <laughs> I just realized. Um, so yeah, so so Peter, we wanted to have you on. You, we all talked to each other for like six hours yesterday. So yeah, oh, so you I can know. talk for an hour. You can just let's, let's start the show and we'll go from there. Okay, so here we go. Hello, hockey world. Today is March second, twenty seventeen. I'm Michael Agello. Go, Peter. I'm Peter Tassie. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm Eklund. I just ate something chewy, ma'am. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes everybody through Friday at this time to help get you through your day and through the hockey world. And now that we're through the trade deadline, there's only 100, there's less than 100 days until the expansion draft, the NHL draft slash trade deadline, which I call it now, and the UFA day. So we are still in the heat of it. We're still right in there. We're, we're like in January or no, January in comparison to when the trade deadline happens, kind of. For those who were disappointed in yesterday, I, I, you know, I think most people are saying that this could be one of the more wilder summers because, oh, yeah. because of the expansion draft, because of the whole roster manipulation that's going on, and I think a lot of teams are looking to, you know, sort of re reset themselves and reshuffle their rosters, and this is the This will be more of the opportunity to do it than what happened yesterday, which. I mean, it was Peter. It was just choked. I mean, there were so few teams that had to that had the cap room to be able to do something. Yeah, I mean, the salary caps played a huge role in everything. The fact the fact cap is going flat this year, and frankly, you know, I think I don't think there was a lot of interesting options out there for for deals too. Like, I just think the quality of player who are being uf who are going to be UFAs this year. Didn't really play into the rental market that much. It just wasn't that intriguing. Well, I mean, I, I bring up, bring up, bring up what you were mentioning before the show regarding uh, the Canucks because oh. Russ and I both thought that Jim Benning did a pretty good job moving Hanson, moving Burroughs, getting a couple young players, finally, finally starting what, what I think the Canucks have needed to do, which is a reset or a rebuild. Now, they're not going to be able to completely do it because they have those big contracts of the Sedin still on the books for another year or so. But I thought he did a pretty good job. But uh, He did. Well, I mean, what ended up happening, right, was, you know, Benning did something that was un-Benning-like. He actually did something that was good. He made a deal where he didn't actually hurt his team and, in fact, may have increased the chances to improve it. So a gentleman out of Vancouver named Scott Brown, who was uh, a, great, uh, a great sort of fun addition out there, he tweeted out on Tuesday night that there's, uh, there were random fireworks going off in Vancouver. And I sort of quote tweeted it and just said, uh, well, that's because Benning finally made a trade that helped his team. And, and, and there you go. I mean – it's the amount of Jim Benning jokes yesterday on Twitter were about Shevel Day off being like Jim Benning was astounding to me, at least to my feet. That's a little jet centric. Well, you know, I mean, I, I really much, but um, you know, they did move Stanford out. I thought they, which was good. They got something for yeah. something for Drew Stafford, Stanford Stafford. 
They got a six round pick. Act. That's not much. Yeah, I know, but you know, they saved them. They saved them. They saved money. Yeah, they more than they, you know, Buffalo did with a couple of their free agents. You know, so hey. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, they saved themselves $800,000, and like I was talking about before before the show, there's a lot of heat this morning on – and then and we can talk about a few teams that didn't make moves or that made moves that were sort of questionable, but yeah. a lot of heat on Tim Murray today because you gotta you got to factor this in. Going into the deadline, the Sabres, I mean, maybe four or five games ago, they were within a point or two of, of the wild card spot. Then they lost – in regulation to Colorado, the worst team in the league, Arizona, the second worst team in the league, and then blew a two-goal lead against Nashville and lost in overtime. It was over with. Everybody knew it. It was done. You know, like, okay, you're sellers now. Now, that doesn't say that doesn't mean you trade Evander Kane for whatever you can get, but you had rental guys, Franzen, Kulikov, a lot of teams were looking for defensemen, and at 301, Nothing happened. And everybody's like, what the hell did you do, Tim? And he was not exactly, you know, Mr. Friendly and Fluffy at the press conference after the deadline. No, he really wasn't. You know, and um, and it was it's a tough spot for Buffalo to be in. Yeah, you know, because by one by one token you can sit there and say, Okay, obviously, you know, there was nothing out there for the players that they would like to have moved, but gosh, you know, like you have to think. You have to think there was. I mean, I mean, just to me, the PA Parento move, you know, this for a sixth round draft pick was the most shocking move of the day because Parento was definitely worth more than a sixth round pick. And I talked. It was to a bad people, market. I mean, the market was bad. Yeah, it was because I talked to so many people today who said to me, "What do you think happened with Bravada?" That was like the biggest. That was the biggest right. comment today among mm-hmm. people on the phone, and um, and I got a lot of people who kind of agreed with what I had with what I had said, which is that I think this is a case of a young GM. Who basically put it out there? Because I heard I had heard a couple of days ago, and I wasn't allowed to report it until yesterday, mm-hmm. that that basically the asking price was just a first round pick. First person, he, he basically went out there with a simple, simple, simple memo to everybody: first first round pick gets Verbata. That's how it goes. And he was he was going to stick with that until the end, you know, even if he wasn't going to go down <laughs> to the second or a third or a fourth. And on one token, you could say short term that's ridiculous, right? Because Verbata's not going to be back. Long term. This is a young GM trying to prove that he means what he says when he goes out and tries to make a trade request, right? So if he goes suddenly takes a fourth-round pick, then the next time he says, anyone who puts a first-round pick, um, you know, he, he would have been like, and he gets a fourth-round pick, then it doesn't matter, right? So you have to you have to sort of take it into account that he's setting he's setting the tone, and sometimes that's what happens with these GMs because this is not – Well, you know, getting rid of Provada is great, but at the same time – Well, Provada is hard to deal with, too, in the sense of where you're going to deal them. Right. There are always provisions with him, and and so that you know, I'm sure that was that was a part of it. End of the day, I you know I was surprised that Shane Doan didn't get moved somewhere for his benefit. Now, if he comes out and says I didn't want to be moved, I'll leave it alone. But I haven't heard him say that yet, and so I got to believe there was some place somewhere that would have taken Shane Doan for some sort of conditional pick. I got to believe that. Yeah, well, you, you you can set the tone all you want if you're Chica regarding Verbata, but here here here's what I what, what I think. He's a million dollar contract, but you sign a ridiculous deal with with the bonus structure of having a quarter million dollar bonus for every round that he wins. A, a structure, by the way, that was set up for for this for the trade deadline oh, because well, no one really thinks Arizona is going to go multiple rounds in the playoffs, right? So this is if the goal of them was to was to have him on the roster 
and then flip them at the deadline. You don't agree to that because there are teams out there like, say, Chicago, who might have been interested, we don't know, and they're never going to agree to a deal of that structure because they, they have the salary cap problems going forward. So that if their intent was to flip them at the deadline, you don't agree to that type of uh, a bonus-laden contract. Now, that's that could be... <laughs> that could be the uh, inexperience of the general manager that or that could be just simply uh, you know I mean if the agent had put that out there then Chaika was was not smart to agree to it mm-hmm. so I mean I, I think that he has only himself to blame I mean great he can ask for a first round pick but we're talking about a guy who's what 35 years old who got injured last year close to the deadline where Vancouver couldn't get a return for him I mean this this is a screw up of Chaika's own making yeah yeah mm-hmm. but you know this this it's sort of happening everywhere right, right. are you guys gonna echo on me yeah, you're yeah. fine. Okay. Sorry. Anyways, I mean, it's happening. Like, you could also look at back to Vancouver and say, well, why aren't they getting rid of Miller? And well, unless they have some reason to resign him, but I mean, that's Miller should have been. Miller will uh, only go to West Coast teams. It definitely limits it. Yeah. Is that what it was? I knew yeah. he's picky, and I knew it was probably American teams. No, that's what it is. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Well, that explains things. And so, have you ever watched Hockey Wives? Peter yes. <laughs> Miller's he, been a, that, a big part but, of that show. But here's but, the thing. Go ahead. In, in the betting criticism, which I really think is unfounded, yes, they're not going to make the playoffs this year, but they do have a point four chance. That's a real that's a realistic thing. Yeah. I'm just saying that's real. They traded for Brandon Sutter, he's got 15 goals. They traded for Gabranson, he's played well. They traded for Goldobin, he will be on the team next year. Like, I think people just pigeonhole this guy for no reason. I, I don't see where he's doing bad things for his team. Actually, compared to some other GMs, he is accelerating his team a little bit while not giving up the farm. I'm not – I'm not – see, I'm not fully blaming Jim Benning for the failings of the Vancouver Canucks because we all know that the owner, ownership is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs if they think that that team is going to compete for a playoff spot. You've got the Sedins at the tail end of their career. They're still good players, but because you have them locked up to pay them $14 bucks this year and next year, you have to you know, go under this complete fallacy that they're going to be a playoff team. They're not. They're not going to – you know, Ryan Miller has played great this year. Yes. They're playing well. You just mentioned uh, Sutter. And they're, they're – what, what are they, seven, eight points out of a playoff spot? It was a pipe dream to think that that right. team was going to be competitive. Yeah. That was the whole point of it. I mean, but they – you know, you're right. I mean, I think the Miller thing had more to do with something beyond what we know about. I mean, I think that that – whether or not Miller just said – we not. I don't want to move. My. I don't want. You know. We don't want to move right now. I just don't want. Well, to, and just you know. And for the other people killing yeah. the trade, and I. I like Jared McCann, but I put like in parentheses because I don't think he's a superstar or anything. You know, for Springfield, he's got ten points in twenty three games. There's a while to go for him to develop. He got rushed, and actually, and Benning probably didn't see what he liked in him to fit his club, and he got a defenseman in the trade. Like in this market. That's pretty good. I'm yeah. sorry. I, look, Benning's moves are just kind of a puzzling. I mean, forget the 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 return on things. They're sort of puzzling mismatch of things that people don't see until now. Mm-hmm. Like I think all of a sudden, even and, and believe me, 
Canucks fans, particularly in the blogosphere, have some of the most cynical <laughs> fans yeah. out there. Oh yeah, and 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 critical, and and some Probably of the ones American that like. And, and, yeah, and 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 while some a certain segment of them earn some praise, it's not that they're not there's not an arrogance that comes with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now all of a sudden, Benning's not only bought himself some goodwill across the fan base, but he's showing that wait a sec, now you can sort of see the plan. You mm-hmm. couldn't really see it before. Mm-hmm. Now you start seeing it a little clearer. He's got some work to do this summer, but. The Canucks could be a very interesting team come the fall when the season starts because there's going to be reasons other than just hoping they can challenge for the playoffs to watch them, which is what they need. Because they're not going to be a playoff team, but you need something to draw the people back in. And right. now there is a reason. Right. Well, Russ, the, 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 the fact that you know they got Gabranson, and Gabranson's a, a solid defenseman, even though some of the analytics people hate his guts. The, the, the downside was he's uh, – he's, in the last year of his deal, he's an RFA. He made he was making a little less than four million dollars. That probably was the price range that was acceptable for him. Now, as an RFA with the prices that defensemen normally get, he's probably a four and a half to five million dollar a year defenseman. Sure, but and they can that, give him a bridge deal if he's not in their future plans, and they still got a defenseman for three, well, four years. I mean, I, 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 thing, like, and I want to talk about this for a second because I, I got a lot of people today sending me requests looking for the winners and loser blogs, which is what everybody, like last night, by 5 o'clock p.m. I know, I know. <laughs> for the trade deadline. Okay, so by 5, they're winners and losers blogs. And the Ducks did make a trade. I told, remember I told the Ducks I would never carry them and cover them again. They made yes. a very minor league trade at like 5 o'clock at night. Yeah, you, uh, want, you, want, to know the, you want to know the motivation for that trade, Act? No, sure. <laughs> the motivation for that trade was Dallas Aikens is the San Diego Gulls coach, and he got two former Toronto Marlies. Okay. Who he went to a who he went to a Calder Cup final with, uh, in Sam Carrick and, and Spencer Abbott, and you know by the way, Nonis is in the in that organization, so right. is Carlisle, so they know these players for basically nothing. That's that right. was that was the motivation. It was that's a minor motivation. So that's so. But here's the thing: I have a really hard time with winners and losers of drafts right away. Like, and and it depend, and I think how you depend on. You know, I think there's two different ways of looking at this. Like, I was at, I went on a radio show last night, and I was asked the question. And I said, "Well, there's who won right now. You know, like who won based on what's happening for the rest of the season, and then there's the winner long term, right? Which is right. completely different. Like, I think the winner of this draft is is the Minnesota Wild right now. Like, and I I, I think because the the two players they got, even though they gave up a lot for them on face value, yeah, that's fair. I mean, both those players combined with what is already with one of the top teams in the NHL, they right. they to me become the winner of the draft. I'll and be honest. To me, there's only one loser. There's one team I could say lost, and that was the New York Islanders because inaction caused them to lose. They needed to do something, and inaction hurt them. I, I saw Arthur, Arthur Staples post that players that they wanted didn't want to be moved, but I still have a hard time believing that a lot of these other players couldn't – one of these players couldn't have fit in and helped their club because you know better. <laughs> I think they waited out for Bada. I do think that. That's fine, but they if they waited out two or three guys, they got nothing. No, they got nothing, and I think they focused a lot of their energies on Duchesne, too, which sure. is also it's also. Oh, but you've got to have many more you know irons in the fire. You can't, you know. Well, yep. if you're if you're looking at the if you're looking at the race in the Eastern Conference for the playoff spots, Florida added Vanek yep. for half the 
for half the price for a third-round pick and a guy who was in their minor leagues in Dylan McElrath. So that was a good depth move who can help help them in their top nine. The Islanders did nothing. At least the Bruins, who were a couple points up in the, in the Atlantic, at least they added Stafford. So that's a that's yeah. a depth forward. And and that's a no-brainer for the Bruins. Just get some, you know Stafford. You know he's still got some game in him. He just doesn't have a, anything in him that's worthwhile to Winnipeg. But for the Bruins, new chance, fight for the playoffs. Maybe. No, but here's, but here's the thing, Peter, and I'll use that one against the Islanders. You couldn't get Drew Stafford and pair him with Andrew Ladd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah. couldn't. I mean, that seems like a no-brainer for a six-round pick to give yeah. it a go. I mean. <laughs> no, that's a good. That's a good point. Um, but I mean, the, the you know the Islanders are in this race. They're a point behind Toronto for for the wild card spot. And right. they and, and Garth Snow didn't do anything. Now, okay, fine. If you if you were looking for that impact move, you were looking for Duchesne, I get it. But have a backup plan. And you know, you didn't have to you didn't have to mortgage your future. I mean, I'm sure you probably could have gotten an effective forward, somebody who could help your secondary scoring for one of the six or seven defensemen that you have in the organization that people would be interested in. They still so, have three goalies. That's a failing. Right. And and see, and that was the other point when we were talking about Miller. If you notice that backup goaltender market, nothing happened. Halak didn't. Right, yeah, Halak yeah, didn't. It's true. Yeah, and still sits there without a backup goalie. Yeah, Halak didn't move. Pavlik didn't move. Not nobody. Nobody moved. So nothing happened. And the, the thing is, with the exception of Pavlik, all those players <laughs> had years left in their contracts, and nobody wants to lock up cap space on a backup goaltender. They now I thought Boston would get Pavlik. I did. As, 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 as the day went on, I thought that made – when I heard that rumor when it was passed on to me, I really thought that that made some sense. Here, here's, the, here's the analogy I'll make with this. Now in this cap world where the NFL also work in, works with a cap, most teams, 99% of them, feel like if their starting goalie is going to get hurt – they're done anyhow. So now the backup goalie is really getting very little, you know, very little thinking about, you know, you're not really thinking about it that much. To, to spend I mean, I've had this discussion before and, you know, I, you know, how I feel about it. But the funny thing about that is that when you look at the teams that won the Stanley Cup over the, or gotten the Stanley Cup finals over the last several years, they've all done it as a result of having a strong backup goalie. I know that, but a lot of, but, but what I'm saying is, Teams are so tight to the cap, they just won't put those extra resources, <laughs> and they're going to ride their their number one goalie and hope for the best. The teams that have two have done really good cap management or have drafted really well and have some homegrown guys sitting behind their starter. They're in good shape, like Pittsburgh's in good shape, but most teams aren't like that. Yeah, you know well, the thing with the thing with Halak was you could have had him for free on waivers, but what scared everyone off was another year of four point five million. Correct. Right, right. I, what I never understood, what I never understood was why the Jets didn't trade Pavlik for him and have the Islanders pick up half the salary. Right, but, but the right Halak is an improvement over Pavlik. Mm-hmm. There's two. Yeah. There's two issues that people always argued about that. One, Alan Walsh is his agent. Chevy and Alan Walsh are whatever. I don't put a lot of stock into that, but whatever. Right. I, I mean, Alan Walsh, the best agent in hockey. That guy. Yeah. But yeah, here's the other reason. What happens? Come next, come the expansion draft. Yeah, yeah, that's you might point. lose them. You're not going to protect Halak and leave Hellebuck there. So it, you know it presented the same old problem that I think a lot of GMs are still trying to understand is that they are able to model their expansion draft 
program what they're going to do until after the trade deadline because they didn't know who was where. Right. So here's the thing about that. That, that, is, that the expansion draft trades are still to come. Like we, we haven't really seen that, that. That will that could still happen. Some some of them some of them are already have already been done. And by the way, by the way, first of all, um, in terms of the of the long term, because I mean, almost every single one of the deals that were made yesterday was a short term rental type of deal. The only one that may have long term ramifications is the Lazar deal with with Calgary, because Lazar is a good player. It just didn't work in Ottawa. And you know that that's a guy who was what twenty one or twenty two years old. Right. I mean, he's a, he's a talented player, and he plays on one of those top. He plays in a top six role in Calgary. He could score twenty to twenty five goals if things work out the right way. He's, well, Goldobin too is a long term thing too. Yeah, true. But uh, but I, I I officially request a uh, I re I request a retraction on your on your prediction regarding the Toronto Maple Leafs because the deal that they made yesterday was a sell deal was a was a was a cap money deal it was not a buyer deal Eric, oh, they traded they traded one of the two defensemen that you talked about no they, they, <laughs> we were talking about this. we were talking about we were talking about them taking on money and they took on money they no i didn't they could take i didn't say they wouldn't take on money Oh, no, we not, not, never said that. that. We talked about that was, possibility. The whole thing with me and Russell back, we could talk about this at length, right? The whole thing with me is that they are not going to sell a defenseman. Right. That was the whole thing. They, that they, was your whole thing. And, after, right about that. and after Connor Carrick got hurt, I said, now that was probably not going to happen because they were not going But they did sell a defenseman. They traded Frank Corrado. They oh, traded Frank Corrado. Who, <laughs> amongst I'll tell you what, I'm going to throw this case out of court. Because <laughs> the best Lou Lamarello could say about the Frank Corrado about Frank Corrado was, well, he was very patient around here. I'm throwing this case out of court because they were in on other players. They just yes. didn't get it. They if they would have gotten Filippoli, you wouldn't even have come out and said this today. No, because I would because I would have been. But they tried to. No, but I was. If they had gotten Filippola, Russ, I would have excoriated Lou Lamarello for doing what I would consider. Fine, but the fact that they went but, but, and reached but, but, for him. But the thing is, the thing is, I mean, look, okay, look, at the, look at the Philpola deal and what happened with Philadelphia. Philadelphia gave Tampa, I think it was a fourth round draft pick in in that deal. If Phil Philpola would have been traded to Toronto, I'm assuming that that Tampa would have been doing the same thing, giving the Leafs a draft pick to take a contract off of their hands that they didn't want to pay anymore. It was basically that they were that was a cap that was a cap space opening deal for Tampa Bay. So and an expansion deal and an expansion deal, and that's what right. Eric Fair was a 2003 first round pick of George McPhee, the the general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights. So tell you know, me, not only are we throwing this case out of court, you're going to have to pay the court fees too. <laughs> Kiss my butt. <laughs> I will say this: after reanalyzing the Mark Strike deal, Eck. I was right saying the Flyers were not going to take on any money because that 4.7% made that deal a complete wash. Exactly. That's so why they was did not seven. take on money. Yeah, they didn't. You're right. But they retained, they retained money. No, no, but they really didn't because of the way the salaries worked. That well, made that, it a wash. That's the pro. That's the prorated that's amount. The prorated amount to, uh, to make it all even, Steven, across the board. So I, they actually didn't take on any money. Wow. Right. Deep, deep, deep. Uh, all right. Let's oh, we'll talk more about this. Talk this a business. We, right, Nick? I mean, we have to stop looking at it like we're kids watching this game, and this is 1972 or 73, 
we have to, at least in my case, your guys was, you know, the yes. 80s. No, I know what you're saying. But, but the idea is it is a billion-dollar business. That's what this is now. No, it is. And, and, and you know, and, and I thought this, you know, we talked about this trade. And I thought it was pretty good. And I didn't think it, all, it was all. I thought it was pretty good. I, I mean, it was all business. I mean, people really were ripping it like just shreds. And I, I didn't think it was as bad as last year's at all. And I think that because there weren't these long, long lulls. Last year, we had 12 things happen after the whatever, after the deadline. It was crazy. Yeah. So this was a lot better. Well, that was the good thing because you actually wanted the show to go off the air, and I and I urged you to stay on for a couple minutes more. Oh yeah, you were right. up twenty four hours, and it was worth it. You're right. No, that straight thing happened, and that was pretty crazy. Yeah, we got to even break it. I believe. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I think everybody was looking for total numbers, and yes, do we have a little lull? Sure, and that's why I did that live report, and we all got a laugh. But. <laughs> The idea was I, I felt like there were guys that I could analyze that were going back and forth. Not all were prospects, but not all were very well-known players either. But at the end of the day, Mark Strike getting flipped twice was something we had never really seen before. Yeah. And so, you know, there were some things that really sort of, you know, were interesting. I, I haven't gotten the answer to whether the Flyers knew that he was going to be flipped. Like, that, yeah. that's something I'm yeah. not sure about. Um, whether or not they – because I, I, I would tend to believe that they did. Yeah. But um, but I don't they know. just wouldn't yeah. deal with Pittsburgh directly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And they and they also did have that. There was no one from Pittsburgh that they wanted. So right. I mean, they got a player they wanted out of Tampa. Yes. So it was a true three way trade that way. You know, even though it wasn't directly a three way trade. Um, so a couple of little Flyers news, real quick. The um, Pierre and Edward Bellomar is now the assistant captain, having yes. traded straight, which is really that's kind. That's I'm happy kind of, for the guy. I. Yeah. I got to know him a little bit a couple of years ago. There was a um, a young person in school, wanted to become a hockey writer, wanted to interview a hockey player. Uh, they asked me, could I get him a hockey player to interview? I got him Pierre Edward Bellomar. Mm -hmm. And I was on the conference call. The kid asked good questions. He was very thoughtful. There's probably, you know, very few players that would be that nice to yeah. somebody who's never done an interview before, and and I thought, wow, you know what? This guy's a really special guy. Now, look, I, there's a lot of nice players in the league. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. but he really helped along the interview and helped the kid. And I just listened to the background. I literally did nothing. You know, I made sure I just listened, and I was very impressed with him. And I'm always impressed with his character, and that's part of the reason he got this. Yeah. Can I can I throw this out because um, yeah. the Kings are playing the Leafs tonight. And Jerome McGinley is playing his first game <clears throat> with the Kings. He'll he'll make his debut, and he will debut on the number one line with Kopitar. And I think Ken I love it. Yeah, well, but doesn't that doesn't that smack of the desperation for offense that they have? That no, they what that smacks of is if you read my article, Mike, which clearly you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, remember he said he feels like he just needs to get out of this funk. And the scoring will come. What better way to get out of the funk than having Anze Kopitar digging the puck out of the corner for you? I don't what buy into these. Like, these what, what better so way to start? Listen, so he starts on the first line. What does that mean? I mean, right. we've been through this so many times now. Okay, it means he starts. It means he starts on the first line of the, of the game. It means yeah. that they're. It means that they're so desperate no. for offense that they're no. putting a guy who's probably a second or third liner on the top line. No, and what it means is they're starting him that way to get the emotional jolt that you get from a player when he's just been traded there, they get, get that energy that you get from a player when he's just been traded there. They're going to ride that. They're going to ride that momentum as long as they can. And if and he's not going to spend the rest of the year on the first line, 
he's just going to be you know there tonight. And if it does well, he'll be there again. But right. you know, one of the big things about getting a trade in a trade deadline at the trade deadline is that energy that comes with that player yes. on a new team, and that's a huge part of it. That's like that that you know you'll see football. You know, tonight probably play out of his mind for the Flyers. He'll probably have a great game. And that little bit maybe gets the Flyers a couple points. And, the, and for every, every point matters so much for the Kings right now. That's what you got to do, you know? Beginless still has the passion. That's the one thing I walked away with. You could hear it when we played the interview yesterday. He still has the passion. He wasn't one of those guys that was just saying the right thing. And I'll tell you what else I think this might be a little bit. I and mean, this is a small – I think they would do this anyway, but this is a small thing. Remember all the questions about Sutter and, and Yaginla? Yeah. That's them up once and for all, right? Because yeah. – Sutter's decided to start him on the top line, so that's like so that so he doesn't have a problem with again. So there's there's that going to be that message that goes out there. Too. There's another little story with this that I didn't quite get all the pieces for, and I know it's out there somewhere. He's wearing number eighty-eight now. Apparently, when he was a kid, he bought a Kings jersey and put eighty-eight on it, but I don't know why he did that. He's the first player to wear number eighty-eight for the Kings, too. Yeah, but why would he buy a Kings jersey and put eighty-eight on there? That's, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, that I know I got to find that out, but that's what that's what I thought I saw a quote from that he said. My first jersey was a Boston Bruins jersey, just because someone had it and they gave it to me, right? Yeah, you know, and, and I put a one on the back of it, you know, and and um, then became a Jules Gilbert fan for the time for a while. It's like that's how. So I mean, Jules Gilbert. I mean, I met him a couple of years ago. Nice guy. Yeah, I mean, I that was my first player that I was a fan of, even though I was a Flyers fan. But I had to, I didn't have a Flyers jersey. I had a Bruins jersey. He's well, still out there, Eck. We could get him on the show if you want to chat with him. Fun, actually. I'd like to meet him. Um, well, I think Gabrick wears number twelve. So that was his jersey number that he wore in Calgary. So, I'm yeah, sure that uh, Gabrick wears twelve. Oh no, okay. He bought a Gretzky jersey, so he bought. I thought I heard. I heard. I thought I saw somebody say he bought an eighty-eight. So clearly, he bought a ninety-nine. But now he's just going to go with eighty-eight because it's close. I guess. Ross, I wanted to get your opinion as the official spokesperson for animals on the show um, uh -huh. about the uh, the PETA criticizing the NHL's use of penguins during the stadium series game. Yeah, I think PETA can go over overboard sometimes. I didn't see any problem with it. I never saw – I mean, I, I understand one fell over, whatever, or a couple fell over. I didn't think any of them were ever in danger. I, I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with, now that you asked me, is – like when I see a horse at like the Denver Broncos games when they're shooting off fireworks and they have, you know, a Bronco on the field, that I have a problem with because even if you're drugging that horse up, horses are so scared of noises like that. It's not even funny. The average person may not realize it because if you haven't ridden horses, I have. Yeah. But I don't think the penguins were in trouble. Well, they, they were. The penguins and the fireworks were a big part of this too. They were worried about that too. Um this is from PETA. It's inherently stressful for wild animals like penguins to be hauled around, used as prop, ex exposed to noisy crowds, with or without explosives going off, PETA's president said. PETA is calling for the only penguins on the ice at Heinz Field to be humans on skates. Um, get, a, get a life, please. I think, I think, you know I think, think PETA has a penguin right? race on the ice. Everyone loves penguins. Get a whole bunch of them on the line. Everyone places a bet down, one to 20. No, no, no. You don't want that. I think, look. I think PETA does a lot of great things to raise awareness, and they do protect animals. Sometimes they go overboard, though. No, I, I think I, I'm a big believer in PETA. Nothing wrong with that. I do agree, though. The, this is not, I mean, uh, this is really funny and, and not funny at the same time, but I, I think everybody will get a kick of this. 
Um, all right, so hold on. This and this this is what they're worried about. And I I do understand this, and everything about this does feel wrong in every which way. Um, here's I mean, obviously penguins are not used to fireworks going off. It's not mm-hmm. something that happens all the time in Antarctica. Um, penguins in the movie Madagascar drove drove a ship. That's right. Those penguins were awesome, though. Um, all right, so here's the uh, here's the gif of the penguins and the fireworks oh, yeah. going off. The penguins take it off for it, take it off. Um, yeah, penguins are just silly by nature. This is not, you know, to, but it, I think the thing about this that, you know, it, 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 it is it is wrong. Obviously, they should have probably gotten him out. They should have gotten him out of there before the fireworks. I think that's not a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, it would have been the better thing to do. But I remember seeing it happening and didn't think they were completely scared out of their minds. But look, yeah. everything scared of fireworks. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think compared to being chased by a harbor seal, this right. is probably not high on the le- not high on the level of um, penguins' ears. Yeah. Um, you know they they but um it does remind me of a joke that I have to bring I have to bring up the story this I bring it up all the time but I haven't brought it up in a while but um of, of the first time I went to see Sidney Crosby's very first game I went I went well the demo went to the first time I went to a pe- cover Penguins game was Sidney Crosby's first game in Pittsburgh and as it was the opening night it was against the Flyers and they brought out some Penguins onto the ice and um, as part of the ceremony it was the the theme was the March of the Penguins which movie was out at the time. And they have the show that they show the movie on the big screen. And then they, they then they then they zoom down to the camera. They zoom down to ice level, and five penguins have wandered onto the ice. Actual penguins have wandered onto the ice and are running around, you know. And the guy next to me, like, says to, says to me, my favorite quote of all time at a, at a, at a hockey game, says to me, um, "This this well, this season's going to be just like last season. Five five penguins running around in their own zone, not knowing what the hell to do." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. So actually, my failing reading. Iginla really did buy a Kings jersey and did put a number 88 on it. I have no idea when he's 10 years old. I have no idea. He doesn't even explain why he did it, but he did it. There you have it. Wow. I I would have thought for sure it was a 99, so I stopped reading, but whatever. There is a whole set of transaction rules that were set up today by the the NHL um, for for the Vegas expansion draft. Yes. They just came out like uh, a little bit ago, so I'm going to have to go through CZs. But well, uh, yeah, it's well, a free, one thing, free one, so go through some of them here. So the, the okay. first thing, um, the, the bone of okay, here are the guidelines of the NHL as to what you can and can't do. Okay. Um, you know, there's a little bit of legalese involved in this. So, all right, first spot, the first point, bona fide transactions. If it, effective today, Vegas may now enter into trades and waiver transactions or sign players to NHL SBCs, which is um, standard player contract. Standard player contract, right. and according to the CBA, um. Any bona fide transaction involving current players must specify the identity of each and such players. Okay, so eligibility eligibility for bona fide transactions is this. Only players who have completed their 2016-17 season can be included in the bona fide transaction. So they can't – we know that we can't – they can't sign somebody. They can't take somebody right now and not, not let them play. They can – they have a jump, and, and everybody else can do this too, but they can sign KHL free agents once those teams have been eliminated from the game. Right, right. Player who Vegas has agreed to claim or not claim in the expansion draft as part of the bona fide transaction will similarly be required to have completed a 2016 season before the transaction can be completed and approved. Um, a player is considered to have completed as if, if, if he's played under an NHL contract or an NHL club or one of the NHL club minor league affiliates for 2016. Okay, so waiver priority order. Vegas will be placed in between second and third to last place clubs in the waiver priority order. I don't understand that. Why won't they be last? I don't know. Well, they're not they're not last in the draft. I mean, they're not going to get in the first. Pick. I know it just that, but for the waivers, they should be last. Well, if they're placed between well, second, they are essentially third. Yeah. Right? I mean, this that's, is 
the long-standing NHL protectionism attitude about Arizona. Yeah, I mean, so they're basically they're basically make the third because if they're placed between second and third, that's third um, in, the, in the waiver priority form, right? I mean, yeah. But here's the, you know, I'm just thinking about it. Mike's right where they'll have to jump on the KHL guys, but it's not like they're going to have to jump on college guys. Everybody pretty much will have the same boat on. So it's not that big of an advantage, really. Right, and that's that's why I asked you the question this morning, Russ, about uh, about college free agents because of uh, somebody asked me about about the Leafs, about uh, them signing uh, you know undrafted free agents, and you know a team like Toronto who's at fifty contracts can't sign somebody and burn off the first year of the of a deal like other teams have done. They can only sign them for the twenty seventeen eighteen uh, season. Um, you know, Vegas can't burn a year of the deal because they're not even playing yet, but they can sign these players to entry-level contracts. So they could, you know, they would have an advantage. I mean, and, and also a college free agent, they have a chance to literally jump into the NHL next year. It's not like they, they have to battle against a lot of players. If they go to Vegas, they have, that might be an attractive, uh, you know, an attractive part of going to Vegas is the, the promise that they will get a legitimate shot at playing in the NHL coming out of college. All right. So here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to tell you that there's a chance right now that there's a really good, he's not, I won't say like the Jimmy VC level, but there is a really good prospect out there. Will butcher who plays at the university of Denver, who is still unsigned by the avalanche. He's two seasons of, 30-plus points, so he's not a point a game, but he's close, but he's a defenseman. He's a good defenseman. He's 5'10", 190. He's an offensive defenseman, still unsigned. At some point, when he decides he's going to leave college, if he's still unsigned, teams are going to want his services. So maybe yeah. Vegas starts courting him. Right. I found the most interesting thing about this, right? The most interesting thing about this is any deal, quote-unquote deal, which is like, you know, we, we all think teams are going to start making deals with Vegas to – Actually, this is his senior year in Denver. So right after this, he's going to go somewhere. Right. So any deal that is said here, any deal that comes between two teams, which we all expect these like mind, these side deals that we've talked about, you yeah. know, that teams are going to make, they have to be reported to the NHL, but they can be kept secret from the media um, until the waiver draft itself. How about that? So that's wow. So they they are uh, <coughs> all teams involved. As to whether or not they want to announce the deal publicly prior to the expansion draft, um, they'll be able to keep that secret until June. Mm -hmm. So we won't know the secret deals being made um, unless they leak, which I'm sure some of them will. But if they don't leak, there could be some things when we're watching the expansion draft that are baffling, like players being passed over that like we don't understand. You know, like that. Oh yeah. Because yes. those deals have been made. And the, but will those? What my question is: Will those ever have to be released publicly, or will they be something that just Vegas could say, "Oh, we didn't like that player"? And but these do have to be reported to the NHL. So that's the strange thing about this. So, I mean, I, I what I think that that is being that that is being done is to prevent any kind of backstab or misunderstanding in terms of a transaction. You could, you know, if you're if you're if you're Tim Murray and you say, "Okay, well, I want you to take uh, Zach Bogosian." And I'll give you Zemgus Gergensons in a trade to take Zach Bogosian. And then he trades Gergensons and then he takes somebody else, Justin Bailey. Wait, I thought we had a deal here where you were supposed to take Zach Bogosian. And like, well, I never said that. Well, you don't even have the to NHL knows. They don't have to announce the Gergensons deal. 
that's the thing. Well, no, but okay, you they can make like after okay after Buffalo is eliminated after the season right. is over with they can trade anybody because their season is over with they can trade a player to Vegas because their season right. is over with. No, so, they can do that. They can do that. Like I said, but normally when those trades are made, they are made public. What I'm saying here is they actually right. don't have to make those public. Right. They can actually keep those trades public until the draft. So you could actually see those trades private until the draft. So that's why. Well, I think that's to the draft's benefit because I think Gary Bettman likes to announce those at the draft anyhow. But it, no, to the expansion draft. Oh, um, to the expansion draft. Well, still, it'll make the expansion draft a little I bit more of a happening. This gives Vegas a big advantage because Vegas is now, you know, Vegas can make other deals with teams. Like, say the Vegas already knows they're getting a goalie somewhere, but another team's afraid of them taking their goalie. So now by this deal staying secret, Vegas can Vegas knows that they're not going to take the team's goalie, but that team's afraid that they're going to take their goalie, so they can actually now make a trade with that team. So the league will know, but not other teams. Right. 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 Okay. Uh, except for the ones that leak, and you know, ones will leak. So I think this is. I think I think. Except George McPhee's friends with a lot of GMs, and so I don't know how secret he'll keep it. Actually. Yeah. I George mean, McPhee's got a lot of integrity riding in this. Yeah. And if no, he ever wants to be at the plate on any deal, he right. can't do anything that's going to upset the brotherhood of NHL right. GM. I don't think the integrity plays into this. I, because, I mean, the, oh, I think it does a little no, bit. I, I think it does. No, the rules are the rules. I mean, he's 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 acting. No, in, I get that. To deal with these guys, Zach. He has to right. deal with general managers. Oh, I know that. Believe me, I no one knows that better than I do. I talk his to first couple of years, he will be yeah. living and dying by making trades to make that yeah. team better. And that's why. That's think, why. Sorry, that's why also, like, he's going to want to get players that he knows on the, and, and the first couple years of, of, that, of that franchise that he knows are dependable, that he knows will work, that he knows will, will work with young kids. That's why a guy like a Brooks-like might get signed as a free agent because he, because he brought, brought him to Washington. A guy like Eric Fair might get picked in the expansion draft or he'd be part of something. You know, that's one thing. He is going to pick players he knows. Well, here, here's the other thing. Bringing up Butcher again, if I'm McPhee, not only do I court him the minute his college career is over, which will be some point you know, in the next few months, I will tell him I'll make you a one or a three. How many other teams can guarantee you that? Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I just I, – I don't know. Maybe it's because of the world that I deal with all the time and the way people are talk to each other about these, about what's happening in different places. I can see there being huge problems with this. Um, yeah, see, I think I, I think he's going to be more transparent than the rules allow. Yeah, I, I think this rule is designed to say if you want to use the leverage this gives you, go for it. Right. And and, and, and part no, GM with the no GM's going to hold that against him. I mean, no, 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 no. I think they will. Oh, uh, this is like survival. They other things against each other. Not not yeah. leverage. I mean, this is an expansion team for Grant Loud. I mean, the well, best. No, he's going to have to use every they got to do this because this isn't a regular expansion team. This is a $500 million investment. Right. Back when the first round of expansion happened in 91 or 92 with the Senators and the Panthers and the Lightning, it was $50 bucks. It's chump change. That's contracts now. Yeah, and you know what? Everyone knew the deals going on. I remember when the Canucks traded for Van Beesbrook so they wouldn't lose Kay Whitmore. It yeah. was out in the open. Now you're dealing 10 times the amount. Right. The, 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 the draft is based around the fact that you can actually get some decent players. I'm not going to say good, but you can get some decent players. And they put this twist in so teams can make deals. But the onus goes back to McPhee. It still points to him. 
So if I'm Kevin Chevel Dayoff, I can make an agree. I can send McPhee a draft pick of something or other, and you won't take so and so, and you'll take this guy. The onus is on McPhee now to say, "Okay, I've got this. How well, do I use that? It doesn't piss anyone off." I mean, you're right. What you're saying, what you're saying, but it's not going to make me completely. There's two teams in this deal, so. Whoever, whoever makes this deal could also disclose it publicly. They could say, we've traded so-and-so to, to Vegas. Here's what I like in it, too. If this were Russ. Hell's Kitchen, the TV show, right, and I just won the challenge, and they say, Russ, you could take one of the other cooks, and I'm assuming you all can cook, I know Eck can, to Vegas, and then I take Peter, Mike and Eck get pissed. Like, it's like, well, why did you pick him? Why did you pick us? Yeah. And if you if he starts – Working these things as a double blind, when he goes to the draft, he may find that other GMs are not going to be as willing to deal with him right yeah. away. And, See, and, that, and to bring a reality show into it, this could also be like The Apprentice, where he makes a mistake and pisses off Omarosa. Right. That's why I think you know, you're going to see – like in my scenario, you're going to see the Gergensons deal. You're going to see the deal that is made – for the reason that Murray make, wants to make a deal. You're going to see that announced. You're just not going to see, or it's not going to be revealed why that deal is made until the expansion draft itself. You, you want you know, you want to tell Gergensons, you're going to Vegas, you're part of that franchise, they want to announce the players that they're that they're at they're they're adding. But that has that doesn't have anything to do with the reason why they're doing that deal. So I think those deals, you know, the deals that they actually are acquiring players, those will be announced when the when those deals are made. Just the ramifications of that will not be announced until the day of the expansion draft. I don't know. I don't. Time will tell. I mean, there's. I mean, I don't think. Listen, this is the thing. I think you guys, McPhee's already got the respect of everybody okay he's our he's not this is not like a brand new guy this is a guy who's been in there no, no, but he could turn it the other way is what we're saying yeah, because people are looking at it look at him like he's got to do his best for his team in this situation this is this is almost the equivalent of of, of the offer sheet type thing like where you know people are like saying okay yes uh, you know you make an offer sheet that's a terrible no, that's that's gone Yeah, away. but you know what if somebody oh actually i disagree with the offer sheet thing because clearly kevin lowe made <laughs> once he signed that offer sheet that really killed his deal making ability i feel like what do you think, Peter? Uh, that right? Know. Wasn't that pretty true? Yeah, absolutely. And that that totally changed everything. Uh, and yeah. it, it but, know, yeah, but that was a long time ago. Now offer sheets have gotten to the point where I mean that you know, but now offer sheets have gotten to the point where Brian well, this is new, Rick. This is new. And if a team loses a goalie because something like this happened yes. and they were kinda they're not gonna be happy. Right. And that, and that that's the thing. You know, McVee has the respect of his of his compatriots, his other GMs, but that could change very quickly if he screws somebody over. And there's an opportunity here for him manipulating the system to screw yeah. people over. That's why he's going to have to be cleaner, cleaner than Caesar's wife in this I process. I, I, well, we'll see how this plays out, okay? Because we'll, we'll, time will tell. But I, I, my, my feeling is he's going to have to do whatever he has to do to make this the best team he can. He's getting paid a lot of money. He's going to ostracize himself from a lot I've of. I've got things. two bits of breaking information. The first one is the Flyers have signed German Roop stuff, which we knew was going to happen at some point. So that's that's a big deal because next year, if they really want to, they could send him to the AHL. We'll, right. see, we'll see if they decide to do that or if they leave him where he is for another Isn't year. Any chance they bring him up towards the end of the year this year? Just no, no chance. All right. I heard nope. they might. 
Nah, I don't think that's a good idea. I think let him ride out his year. Where's he? Um, he's in the queue. Let him ride out his year in the queue. Right, in the queue. But I mean, like you know, the last few. You know, we've seen we've seen that before. The last couple games of the season. The yeah, but he's not played enough games due to injury and stuff. I would not fool around with that. And you could put him in the AHL. You could put him in the right. AHL playoffs. Right. I would do. I would put him with Lehigh. Yes. But they already can't do that. They can't get him in the playoffs now. Because, obviously. <laughs> no, not now. But when his season ends, which is a little, yeah, maybe a little curious why they didn't sign him yesterday. Uh, I don't think that matters. The other thing because, is because because the contract will start with next year. That's right, why. Right. Okay. Sarah right. Baker reported, and this is good that, and, and I think based on all of the all the all the uh, media coverage that the Flyers are counting up all the hats that were thrown yeah. for the fake hat trick, and Jake Voracek will end up donating money to area hospitals. So that's nice. Yeah. How I was told is he's, he's going to donate whatever those hats are worth. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Okay. <laughs> you guys have to do anything, Peter. Come on. Yeah, about wow, six thousand dollars. Yeah, about six thousand dollars, right? Yeah, I don't know. I actually, All right, well, I think that's good. I mean, I'm fine with that. You know, as always. <laughs> that's it. Wow. All right. Um, that's all the time we have for today, guys. Thanks so much, Peter, for jumping on. My pleasure. Um, we'll be back again tomorrow. Remember to check the, um, the projected standings and stuff like that that I've got going on. Uh, only only two things changed last night. Oh, um, there were only two games. Um, and one of those things, unfortunately, you know, because it's not just the teams that are playing that change, because when teams win or lose, that changes their points per game, and that changes how, who, when they play other teams. So, unfortunately, based on the results of last night of, of, of the one game going to overtime, I think both games were predicted right, but one of them went to overtime. Based on that, the Leafs fell down one point in the <laughs> Even though they didn't play, yeah, but um, <laughs> and, and and on Monday we will on Monday we will start our draft lottery simulator. Yes, we will. Yes. We will bring back the draft lottery simulator for everyone to, to have fun with. So, but tonight there's ten games. So if you want to check out the predictions for the for my thing based on tonight, uh, see if we can keep our streak alive of going we're two and zero so far. Let's see how far we can go. Um, I'll be watching Vanek and Philpola very closely. Yep, yep, for sure. And uh, remember, guys, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow.